All right, well, how are you doing tonight? For those of you who come just on Wednesday nights, I know there's quite a few of you who do. Um, uh, just to let you know, we are taking a break from Second Kings tonight, and we're going to look at what, how we can determine, how we can know what God's will is for our lives. Now, for those of you who were here this weekend and knew that that's what we're going to be talking about tonight, and that's why you're here, we do this every Wednesday. (laughs) So you can come back next Wednesday, and we'll be back in 2 Kings. And you know what? You can learn about what God has for you as we study 2 Kings, too. But we're going to look at what the Word of God tells us about His will for us. It it came up this weekend... um, I've shared with a couple of you, if you were here Saturday night, maybe I think I, I even actually said it then, but um, as I was praying about and preparing the message for this past weekend, um, it just it kind of was laid on my heart initially to go through this. It's a study that I did years ago, and I kind of just put it to the side and said, nah, you know, I'm, I love what we're doing on Wednesday nights for Second Kings. And then as I was going through on Saturday night in the message, I just said it out loud and then I'm, then I'm in. So I <laughs> said that, had to mention it on, on Sunday too. But I, I think it's important and we'll talk about that as we go through it. But I, I, right at the outset, I want all of you to take out your Bibles. If you didn't bring a Bible with you tonight, please get one from under a seat in front of you. It's important because we're going to look at what God's Word says about this. This is not my opinion. This is what God's Word tells us. So please take out your Bibles, and I'll, t- I'll guide you along. We're going to be going through. We're going to be looking at several different places tonight, um, and I'll kind of cue you in on how we do that what, or as we're going around. But as we're starting out tonight, again, God's will for our lives. And I think that one of the first things that kind of hurdles we need to get over is to maybe clear up some misunderstandings or some misguided thinking when it comes to God's will. First off, we need to understand that we can't know all of the details of God's will for us up front. And that's a problem for a lot of us. I mean, that's a, that's a problem for me that I, it took me a while to get over because I'm one of those guys, I need to know, I want to have a one-year plan, a five-year plan, a 10-year plan, um, I want when it when it's going to come to making plans. You know, you have the, the the columns, the pros and the cons, and you weigh it all through, and you think it all out, and you do all that kind of stuff. Most of the time, as God's will for us, that's not how He operates. We've looked at some of those stories, like Elijah and 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 others, as we've gone through in in God's Word. God doesn't always work that way. Philip, another example in the New Testament in Acts that we saw. He will often tell us one step at a time. And as we're obedient in that one step, then he reveals the next step to us. And as we're obedient there, he reveals the next step and so on and so on. And so we need to understand that God doesn't reveal it all to us up front. So we got to get that right off the table right up front as well. Secondly, a lot of people think, yeah, you know, I'd, I'd love to follow God's plan, except I think it would be boring or miserable. <laughs> you know, I, you know it's, it's that, that unknown or the idea that, you know, it, it's, God's going to ask me to do something crazy and get, you know, get, get away or it'll be really boring or whatever. You know, I wonder how many people thought back in the early 80s, probably, you know, a few people that knew him, that thought it would be really boring or miserable to hang out with Bill Gates. 
You know, sometimes we can have some preconceived notions ahead. I'll tell you what, before I came back to walking with the Lord, there was a lot of times that I thought, man, I'm going to have, I don't know if I want to give all of this up because it might, might not be as exciting to follow, follow in the ways of the Lord. I'll tell you what, I wouldn't go back to that way. There's no way from the way before. God, following God and what he has for us is the most exciting possible life that you could have. It's anything but boring. Now, third, thirdly, one of those misconceptions is that God is going to reveal his will to you in a miraculous sign. That he's going to write it on the wall somewhere. It's going to be, you know, there's going to be times where he'll blow you away with things like that. But oftentimes it's going to be that still small voice that he speaks to us in. Sometimes we can get to that point where we think that I missed my chance. God, God revealed his will to me or God showed me something at one point in my life and I didn't follow through. I didn't go through with it and I missed my chance and God's done with me. God's not done with us. We looked at that last, this last weekend with Mark. God's not done with you. And we're going to go through this tonight. And I tell you what, you follow what we're going to talk about through tonight, you can know what God's will is for you. But I think the biggest one, and that's kind of why I wanted to do this tonight that we understand, is that oftentimes we think that God's will is some super cosmic mystery that is beyond our finding out, that God has no, you know, that, you know, he, it's just this crazy game of hide and seek, right? Well, guys, God wants us to know his will for us. And yes, God desires for us to seek him and to earnestly seek after him and to desire to dig into those things. But it's not, he's, again, his desire is for us to find it, not to keep it hidden. Now, how many of you when, you, when you had kids or maybe even have kids, played hide and seek with them? As, as adults, play and hide and seek with your little kids. I mean, you got to be some sick, twist, twisted parent to hide so that your kid can't find you. I mean, right? I mean, that's the fun is to let the, your child find you. I mean, you're hiding over in the corner and you're going, <coughs> you know, so they, oh, you found me. Oh, yeah. So, but, and guys, God wants us to find the will that he has for us. He desires for us to seek him, yes. But it says in Psalm 32, verses 8 and 9, I will instruct you and teach you in the way which you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. I, I love that because it, 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 it's, you know, I, I will teach you the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. We, we need to look for those subtle nuances in God's word and ha as he guides and directs us. He says, do not be as the horse or as the mule which have no understanding, whose trapping include the bit and bridle and hold them in check. Otherwise, they will not come near you. The New Living Translation of this verse I like. It says, the Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Do not be like a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and bridle to keep it under control. <laughs> he will guide and direct us to, to his exact purposes for us. So we get those misconceptions out of the way. It's also important 
at the outset to understand God's will, and we can see it in, in three ways. First of all, God's prevailing will. God is absolutely 100% sovereign. That means he is in complete and total control of all things. Isaiah 46 verses 9 and 10 says, Remember the former things lost long past, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is no one like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things which have not been done, saying, My purpose will be established and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. Ephesians Chapter 1 tells us that he works all things according to his good pleasure. Guys, nothing can disturb, destroy, deter God's eternal prevailing will. And that is a really good thing. If it could, guys, we'd all be in big trouble. Our... our our eternity would be in question if he were not sovereign and in control, but he is. His promises are true. He moves and controls and takes care of all things so that his promises come true. We've looked at that as in our study. Continually we see that, how God has done that throughout history, all of his promises, so that we can know that the promises that are coming at the end of the book are coming for sure because he's faithful, he's true, and he's sovereign. God has a prevailing will, but guys, also understand he has a permissive will. He has a permissive will. He allows us, you and me, to make choices. Now, you might say, well, that doesn't make sense. I can't jive that. And if he's sovereign and absolute and total control, how does that fit with us being able to make choices? I can't tell you, <laughs> but it's true. Just because it doesn't make sense in our economy, in our limited understanding, does not negate the fact that it's true. God said his ways are so much higher than our ways and his thoughts than our thoughts. As far as the heavens are above the earth, so are his ways and his thoughts above our ways and our thoughts. And again, that's a good thing. So, the fact that he controls everything and knows everything does not negate our responsibility for the decisions that we make that he allows us to make in his permissive will. His omniscience does not exclude our diligence. It does not excuse it. It does not allow it. We, have to, we are accountable for the decisions and choices we make in his permissive will. But here's what, what we're going to talk about tonight. God's personal will. This eternal will that he has, that he's in control, the permissive will, but his personal will for each and every one of us. Jeremiah 29 11, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. I know the plans I have for you, God says. For you personally and individually. Now again, I understand, and for us to try to fit this into our own 
puny little minds isn't going to work, but it doesn't negate the fact that it's true, that the creator of the universe cares intimately and personally for you. Every detail of your life he's, he's concerned with and he cares about. I, this morning, I don't, because it's been so nice lately, my wife and I, we get up every morning early for coffee together and our, have some time together. And we've been doing that outside lately on our patio. And the stars, just looking out at the stars, and we were talking about that this morning, just looking out at the beautiful stars. I just, just pulled this up before I came in. It says that there are 10 billion known galaxies and there are a, approximately 100 billion stars in each one of those galaxies. Now don't, don't ask me who counted 10 billion galaxies or the 100 billion stars in each one. But I'll tell you right now that those are conservative estimates compared to because we know that there's beyond what we can know. But that means that there are at least a billion trillion stars. And you know what the Bible tells us? God put them each right where they are and he has a name for every one of them. And he doesn't have to look them up in a book. <laughs> he knows them all. He knows right where they are. He knows when one of them's gonna go He knows when one of them's gonna go out. He, know, he knows all of that. Guys, think of that, a billion trillion. He knows you. He knows right where you are. He knows the will that he has for you. He knows, he knows what is best for you. And he wants you to find it out. So with that as a brief introduction, we're going to look into what God's will is for us. And firstly, turn with me to John chapter 6, verse 40. And this is, while you're doing that, John 6, verse 40, this is important as a study. I think we, we probably all agree that's why, why we're here. But guys, nothing that we do will affect God's eternal will. But understand this, everything that we do will affect our future, will affect what's going on in our lives right now and for us in the future, eternity in heaven. So it's good that we know what God's will is so that we can follow it and, and please him in that. So again, first one, John, John 6, verse 40. We're gonna see the, through these things, there's six things specifically that the Bible tells us this is the will of God for us. First, John 6, 40, for this is the will of my Father, Jesus speaking, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. So here we see, first of all, that God's will for us, first of all, is that we are saved. That we are saved. 1 Timothy 2.4 tells us that God desires all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. His desire is that for every human being that they come to a, a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ in their life. Peter echoes that by saying in 2 Peter chapter 3 that he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That everyone should come to be saved. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. No one can be saved except through Jesus. And I don't want to assume that everyone here tonight is saved, that everyone here tonight has made that decision. 
If you're here tonight and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, you've never trusted in his completed work for you on the cross, understand that we are all sinners and we've fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible tells us the wages of sin is death. Not just physical death, but eternal death. Separated from the love of God, facing the wrath of God for eternity. And there's nothing that we can do on our own to fix that problem. But God, being in his, in his love for us, sent his son while we were yet sinners to die in our place. Jesus willingly stepped out of heaven, became one of us, lived a perfect sinless life, and then died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sin. But you have to receive that free gift. His death paid the penalty for every sin ever committed, but each one of us individually have to receive that. So if you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, you've never asked him to come into your heart, and you want to do that right now, would you, would you slip your hand in the air? Anyone? Under conviction of the Holy Spirit right now? Let me tell you, if you're thinking, I couldn't raise my hand, what are people going to think? This, I, I, I'm too scared to do that. This is the safest place. Calvary Chapel Surprise on Wednesday night. You're, you're surrounded by people who have been in this situation before. And we're just going to cheer really loud as you take, ask Jesus into your heart. So is there anybody at all? All right. So, we can all take number one and we can say, okay, I got that. That we're saved. It's God's will for us to be saved. Secondly, Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17. Ephesians 5, verse 17. Still hear some pages turning. I love that sound. Ephesians 5, 17. So then, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody of your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Here we see, secondly, that God's will for every one of us is to be spirit-filled. To be saved and to be spirit-filled. Now, when we are spirit-filled, again, notice it says that, be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you are filled with something, that means you have room for nothing else, right? If you are filled. The Bible tells us that the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5 is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That is the fruit of the Spirit. So if we're thinking of being something full and full of fruit, I'm thinking of a glass of fruit juice. <laughs> if you're full of the Holy Spirit and you bump into somebody... That should spill out on top of them, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. The fruit of the Spirit in us spilling out on others because we are filled with the Holy Spirit. All of us as Christians have the Holy Spirit in us, but to be filled with the Holy Spirit means that the Holy Spirit has control of us. Like when a ship's sails are filled with the wind, 
The wind then controls where the ship is going, and that should show up in our attitude. That should show up as Paul continues in Ephesians there to talk about what this looks like, speaking to one another. And again, knowing the fruit of the Spirit that we just talked about, that, is, that comes from the fruit of the Spirit in us, speaking to one another, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, making melody with our heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things. It's interesting when we have this, this set of scripture here and we hold it up next to Colossians chapter 3 that says, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in our hearts to God. Sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? They, go, they hold them up right next to each other. Those same things are there. One tells us that comes from being filled with the Spirit, but in Colossians it tells us that when the Word of Christ richly dwells in us, those things take place. Being filled with the Spirit, the Word of God then richly dwelling within us, the Word of God richly dwelling within us, being filled with the Spirit. It's interesting, the verse right before that, Colossians 3.15, tells us, let the peace of Christ rule in your lives. That literally means to be an umpire. The peace of Christ, the word of Christ, the Holy Spirit in us, guiding and directing us, an umpire. We're in the baseball playoffs going on right now. An umpire controls the game. You're safe, you're out, ball strikes. I mean, and so we follow that as, as the Lord leads and guides and directs us. So we see clearly the, that God's will for each of us is to be saved, to be spirit-filled. Thirdly, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. That is, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God, and that no man transgress and defraud his brother in a matter because the Lord is the avenger of things, just as we also told you and before and solemnly warned you. Here we see that thirdly, we're saved, we're spirit-filled here, that it's God's will that each of us are sanctified. Sanctified. That means to be set apart. To be set apart for God's use exclusively. To be made his tools in his hands, set apart for him. But Paul tells us, he says, that is, he explains to us as we go through that. What are we to be set apart? We're to be set apart for him, to, but be set apart from what? Sin. To set apart for him, set apart from sin. John tells us in 1 John chapter 1, this is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. We can't be sanctified and walking in sin in our lives. Now sanctification, understanding that is a process that we continually go through in our lives. To be that separation process, it continually goes on. Being saved, one moment in time. 
sanctification and ongoing process. We've seen, as we've studied through the book of Acts, being spirit-filled is something that we continually do. As a matter of fact, when Paul said that earlier, we looked at that, it said, be being filled with the Holy Spirit, a continual thing. Same thing here with being sanctified, an ongoing process. Set apart for God, set apart from sin. Now, how far are we to be separated from sin? As far as we can. You know, it's interesting when, when we, we think of this. Somehow we, in our, in our minds, justify the fact that, well, I'm a little further away than I used to be. And, you know, it, it's that interesting question. Well, how far away should I be from that sin? Like, well, how far away should you be from that rabid pit bull? Right? I mean, as far as I possibly can be. I heard uh, one time, I think it was Charles Spurgeon, somebody asked him about that, you know, how close can I get to this temptation and be, be safe? And his response was, well, how close can you get to a leper colony and be safe? I don't want to find out. I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm just going to assume I'll move a couple of, couple of continents over just to make sure, you know, how close can I get to that nuclear explosion and still be safe? You know, I'm separate, set apart. Now, again, the, 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 the process, it, you know, if we just left that to ourselves and said, okay, well, we're, I, I'm going to keep separating myself, how's anybody doing with that, right? I mean, we continue to struggle in that in our own flesh. Well, Jesus said in John 17, 17, he said, speaking to the Father, sanctify them, a prayer to God. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Guys, we are sanctified and set apart for God and set apart from sin as we spend time in God's word, allow God's word to get into us. Following God's word with the power of the Holy Spirit in us. Again, he's driving, determining, filling. Again, we talk about the word dwelling in us being filled with the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, one of the fruits of the Spirit, the last one, remember, self-control, a fruit of the Spirit. We're filled with the Holy Spirit, self-control, defeating sin in our life, separating ourselves for God from sin. Many can testify to the fact that if you haven't been in the Word for a few days, you're far more vulnerable to temptation, Right? When we haven't spent that time with the Lord, we haven't spent time in prayer and praying through his word and digesting his word, and we're far more vulnerable. Guys, here's the flat truth. Self-control, our self doesn't want to be controlled. Our flesh wants control. Bible tells us that it's an ongoing, constant battle between the spirit and the flesh. And we have to be fully armed all the time. Jesus said we need to take every thought as a prisoner of war in this battle and submit it to him. Every thought. And it, it is a choice that we have to make. We have to make it every day. Making it new every time. Just like Joshua said, choose today whom you will serve. As for me and my house... We're going to serve the Lord. Sanctified, set apart, 
So have we the first three saved, spirit-filled, sanctified, fourthly. First Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter 2, 13. 1 Peter 2, 13. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as to the one in authority, or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God, that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish men, Act as free men and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves for God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Here we see that God's will is for each of us to be submissive. Submitted. It's a military term. It means to place under in an orderly fashion. It does not mean that one person is more valuable in God's sight or more valuable in any particular estimation whatsoever. It just means there's an order to things and it's God's desire that we live in an orderly fashion. God is not a God of chaos. He's a God of order and there is an order to things. Now he's very clear that we are to be submitted to those that are placed over us in government. Now, I know all of you internally are going, I know. And you could say, well, Peter couldn't possibly be talking about what we're going through here. You're right, it was way worse. (laughs) It was way worse. We see throughout the Word of God that there are many, many men and women, godly men and women who honored God by submitting to governmental authorities that were anything but godly. But they submitted to them. They did not do ungodly things. They always, they never did anything immoral or ungodly, but they submitted. I mean, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, perfect examples. We see Joseph, another great example. Paul, Peter, all of them that, that write these things to us, submitting to the, those that are above us in government. Now, just as a little aside, because us guys, we love that word submit or submissive in Ephesians chapter five. Because that's where it says, wives, submit to your husbands. By the way, right before that, it says submit to one another. The verse right before it. But, we say, oh yeah, we love that, wives, submit to your husbands. It's the same word as used here. So remember that the next time you're talking negative, saying bad things. Is that how you want your wife to be acting? Is that how you want her to submit to you? When we're talking about this, talking about that, you know what we need to be doing as Christians? Yes, we need to be voting, absolutely, but we need to be praying. I don't care who gets elected president. We need to be praying for their salvation. We need to be praying that they're born again. We need to be praying that they become fearers and followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't care who it is. That's the only hope we have. 
If you disagree with me about this whole political thing, send your emails to jeff at ccsurprise.org. All right. Submit. Go those in government, but it goes way beyond that, obviously. That's submissive. That, that, that's, what God, that's the desire that we submit. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 13, submitting to those who are placed over us in other areas, in church government. In church, in, there's an authority, authority structure within the church. As I mentioned earlier, again, Ephesians 5.21, that we submit to one another. But guys, bottom line, James tells us, James 4.6 but he gives greater grace. The Lord gives greater the grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit, therefore, to God. Same word there. And it all comes around to this, submitting to God. We need to submit to him. Now, you might say, well, that's a no-brainer. But here's the deal. Submitting to him says, okay, God, your will, your way, whatever it is. Whatever you say, I'll do. However you say it, I'll do it. That's what submitting to God is. Coming under Him completely. Our pride says, okay God, I'll do it if it's this. We've talked about this before. We give God multiple choice. We say, okay, I'll follow you Lord if it's one of these four things. That's not submission. Submission is giving God a blank contract and signing it. By the way, his signature's already on that too, in blood. That's number one <laughs> that we looked at. Blank contract, signing it, saying, Lord, whatever you will say. That, guys, if we want to know what God's will is, that is a huge condition to it. Because God's not going to say, hey, guess what? I, I'll, I'll tell you, and you pick or choose. You say, we have to say, I, I'm willing to do it, whatever it is. Submitted. All right, <laughs> we've got to hurry. First Peter chapter 4, so just turn over a couple of pages. Chapter 4, verse 19. And nobody's going to like this one until about two minutes from now, but right away you're not going to like this. Therefore, those also who suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. It's his will that we're saved, we're spirit-filled, we're sanctified, we're submissive, and that we suffer. We'd be like, what kind of God would have it in his will for us to suffer? One who loves us like crazy. One who knows what's best for us and knows what we need to get there. Suffering, it, it's not... The, in, don't misunderstand that this isn't a soft word. This is the same words that, that is used over and over to speak of what Jesus went through for us, his physical suffering. It's used for emotional suffering. It's used for all types of suffering. Je Jesus said in Acts, when he was speaking there about Paul, he said, I will show Paul all that he must suffer for me. I'll tell you what, I'm glad that he didn't do that with me. Because there's a lot of stuff that I've gone through following the Lord over the last several years that on that side of it, I'd be like, no way. On this side of it, I thank him for it. 
we don't understand that on the other side of the suffering. Revelation chapter 2 says, Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison so that you will be tested and you will have tribulation for 10 days. Be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will, be hurt by the, will not be hurt by the second death. Guys, God is doing a work in us. And just like any work that is going to be beneficial, if we think of any kind of work for our bodies or strengthening or that sort of stuff, it's a discipline and we have to discipline our bodies. We have to do things to our bodies that sometimes hurts. You've heard the term, no pain, no gain. We go through that not because God just has this weird side to him, but because he loves us and he knows what is best for us. And again, that will that we are praying that God would reveal to us, he says, I have this for you. And it's amazing. And it's perfect for you. But I need to get you ready for it. No suffering that we go through is without purpose. God has a purpose and a plan in it all. And we've talked of this before Romans 8, 28, we know that verse. We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. We go through these things. God works all of these things together for good to conform us to the image of his son. And it goes down in verse 32. He who did not spare his own son but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also freely give us all things? Those difficulties, those trials, those pains, that suffering that God works together for his good, he freely gives us because it's making us more like Jesus. We're praying for that, right? That's what we all want. We're not alone in it. He never leaves us, forsakes us. He goes through it all with us. He's been through it all before us. We don't have a high priest that can't relate to us, doesn't understand what we're going through, but one who was tried in every way just as you and I are, except without sin. And because of that, we have free access to the throne of grace. We can go anytime, the throne of grace, for mercy and help in our time of need. Don't try to avoid the, the trials, the difficulties, the suffering, embrace them, endure them, because in the end, again, the, the weight of glory that awaits us, as Paul said, far outweighs what we go through now. And on the other side of it, like I said, looking back at stuff that I, I'll tell you, I wouldn't want to go through it again, but I'm so glad I did, because on this side of it, I, I now I, I know what God's doing in me. Well, lastly, verse six, verse six, number six, 1 Thessalonians again, chapter five. Verses 16 through 18, 1 Thessalonians second here. What did I miss? Oh, 
That's my problem. I'm in the wrong chapter. First Thessalonians 5. There we go. First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Lastly, we need to be satisfied, giving thanks in everything, in the suffering, in the difficulties, giving thanks, again, because we understand God is doing a great thing. Bible tells us, Philippians chapter 2, do all things without grumbling and complaining. (laughs) I love it that God gives us no wiggle room. Do all things without grumbling and complaining, and in all things, give thanks. It builds on this. I just, I love the way this all works out. So, okay, got a couple of minutes left here. You're like, okay, but what about me personally? What about, how do I, how do I navigate this? Personal decisions in my life. I mean, I want to know what God's will is for me as to where I'm going to live or what job I'm going to have. Can we know that? Well, it's important, and I hope that, that you remember these. If you weren't taking notes to, to, to go back through and remember these things, I'll run them back through for you. God's will is that we're saved, that we're set, spirit-filled, that we're sanctified, that we're submissive, that, we're, that we go through suffering joyfully, giving thanks. We're satisfied as God leads us. Guys, if we are those things, here it is. Do whatever you want. If you're saved... Spirit-filled, sanctified. If you're, if you're submissive, going through, going through suffering, going through the difficulties, but you're receiving it with joy, whatever it is that God brings to us, and we're thankful for it, guys, do whatever you want. And how can I say that? Because who's in control then? The Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. What you want to do will be what God places in your heart to do. Now I know that you might say, well, that's overly simplistic. I told you it wasn't hard. I told you he wants you to know. If we follow the outline, that's what his word tells us, that these things, if we follow these things, who's guiding? Who's leading? Who's directing? Be ready for it to be totally different than before you were saved. I I can attest to that. (laughs) Be ready for it to be totally different than even a few Years ago when you were saved, you're at a point now where God has brought you through a huge trial. God has continued to sanctify you. You're now, you've, you, something that you've struggled with, God has given, delivered you from. You've been able to separate from that. Set apart for Him. Saying, all right, God, I'm in this place, whatever you would have for me. Here's the blank contract. Not multiple choice, blank contract. And just be ready for God to just blow your mind. I don't know if any of you guys knew me nine years ago, but I'll tell you one of the last places, I'm t- or it could be the last place that I'd tell you where I would be is right here nine years ago. 
That was not even on my radar screen. Nowhere close. But I'll tell you what. It would, I, I'd have to hear from God. <laughs> but I, don't, I can't imagine being, doing anything else now. Because that's how God works. Delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. He'll change your heart first. And then give you those desires. Now, we talked about this this last weekend. That's kind of what kind of set this whole thing up for me. There is a process to go through as we're doing this. Pray. Pray. Seek the Lord. As as you're in his word and as you're praying and as you go through these, I encourage you, go through these things. Is there an area that you're struggling in? Is there an area that you need to deal with with the Lord? But then be praying, God, show this to me. Reveal it to me. And he will give you a peace. A peace that passes understanding. It might even be if if you were going through this and thinking through and praying through and again like in in my situation with this. When when it was presented to me, what about being a pastor? I was like, a pastor? I don't know the first thing about being a pastor. But I'll tell you what, by the end of that week, I had a peace that I, I knew that that's what I was supposed to do. And provision. And I'm not talking, when we say provision, we normally think of, of financial. I don't mean that. I mean that God will make it clear. God will open doors. God will, where God guides, God provides. In that same week, like I said, at the beginning of the week, when it was presented to me to come on staff here as an assistant pastor, like I said, my first reaction was I laughed. By the end of the week, well, while I was driving away from that meeting, I got a phone call from somebody who said, can you come down to the hospital? We just found out that our son, who was four at the time, has been diagnosed with bone cancer. And I said, absolutely. Let me get, go home. I'll grab Christina. We'll be right down. I hung up the phone. I said, why is he calling me? Why would he call me? That's confirmation number one. Two people during that week, two people who had no idea I had this conversation on Monday, said, have you ever thought about being a pastor? Two people. Like I said, by the end of the week, God had so confirmed it and provided the answer to me. It was, it was, I mean, it was truly that. And then I also, I put in there partnership. Ask people, godly people, people that you trust and that you know, to pray about it with you. And, and to seek the Lord with you. And he will, again, he'll confirm those. I mean, again, I asked, I, asked people, I asked a couple of people to be praying that I knew would say, dude, you don't know the first thing about being a pastor. I asked them to be praying. <laughs> and everybody, it, every, unanimously came back. I have total peace of that. Total peace with it. Now, that's just my story, but I guarantee if we go around the room, I could find many others who have similar stories. And it's, guys, that's it. That's it. Follow what God's word says. Pray. Look for the peace, the provision, and the partnership. Do whatever you want. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you are 
the creator of all things, Lord, you hold everything. Your word tells us that your word, you hold everything in the palm of your hand. You are almighty, eternal, sovereign God. And yet you care about each of us. Who are we that you would be mindful of us? Your word tells us, Lord, that your thoughts towards us are beyond count, beyond counted the number of the, as the sand on the seashores, your thoughts towards us, and they are good. Lord, your plans for us are for our welfare, to give us a future and a hope. And Lord, our desire is to follow after you with everything that we have, Lord, thank you for the fact that so many came out tonight to look into your word and to seek your will for our lives. So, Lord, tonight, would you show us if there's any area in our lives that we need to deal with, whether it be sin, an area of pride, or an area that we have not submitted to you fully, an area where we are outside of your will, Lord. Our desire is to be in your will, so would you show us those things? But Lord, then as we move forward from that, as we confess those things and turn those things over to you, Lord, our desire is to hear from you clearly as to what you desire for us to do. We want to walk in that. So Lord, give us clarity, give us strength, fill us with your spirit. Thank you for this time. Go before us now as we head into the rest of our week. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys.